It's TechBiter Worldwide. I'm Bill Blinn with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. That's because we leave out the sports, most of the jingles, the weather, and the commercials. Podcast number 311 for September 23rd, 2012. The future is approaching and you're going to have more PC choices. Political walks can enjoy a new congressional search engine. If you're still using Internet Explorer, I have a question for you. And in short circuits, Adobe's Creative Cloud is more popular than expected. LG steps away from the Windows phone and blowing Google off the map. Both Apple's Mountain Lion and Microsoft's upcoming Windows 8 are significant departures from what has come before. Microsoft's operating system embodies a more radical change than Apple's, but both have made enough changes to shock longtime users. And don't forget about Google's Chromebook computers. In the coming years, buyers are going to have more choices than they've had for decades. The overall range of choices is larger, too. At the top end, servers. These are the powerful systems that run enterprise-based applications. They're not going to be going away anytime soon. Desktop computers, although considerably less important than they once were, will still have a place in many offices and on the desks of those who work with video, audio, or still images, those who need a lot of computing power. Notebook computers are increasingly displacing desktops, but they are themselves being supplanted by mobile devices, tablets, and phones. Microsoft's entry into the tablet market will shake up that market segment. For Microsoft, it isn't so much of an entry, but a re-entry. Windows-based tablets were on the market long before Apple brought forth its iPad. The difference was that Windows tablets were actually notebook computers with screens that could swivel, so the screen was on the outside when the case was closed. In many ways, this design offers what I consider to be the best possible design, a touchscreen for times when that's the best way to use the computer, and a keyboard for the rest of the time. The design never really quite caught on, though. Dell and some other manufacturers are trying this design again, and this time running an operating system that's been designed to support both touchscreen and traditional uses, so it might finally find a market. And some manufacturers seem to have discovered the Asus Transformer. That's an Android tablet with an optional keyboard that can be attached. HP and others plan to offer notebooks that have detachable keyboards. Essentially, that's a transformer in reverse. And Lenovo has previously shown a notebook computer with a screen that doesn't swivel, but folds all the way back. I haven't seen this model, but it seems that leaving the keyboard exposed could cause some problems. It would be easy enough to create circuitry that would disable the keyboard and mouse when the screen is folded back, but even so, this would seem to subject the keyboard needlessly to hazards. What I really want to see is a touchscreen desktop system. Or maybe I don't. I keep wanting to touch my desktop computer screen as I do on the Android Transformer, but I know that I detest fingerprints on screens. If somebody touches my screen at the office, I quickly wipe away the smudge. So maybe a touchscreen desktop wouldn't be a good choice for me. On the 26th of October, Microsoft's Windows 8 goes on sale. 
As you know, I've been using Windows 8 for about a year now, and I installed the final Gold Code version on two notebook computers as soon as it became available to TechNet members. As you also know, if you've been following my reports on Windows 8, the operating system is designed to work on phones, tablets, and other mobile devices while continuing to be the notebook, desktop, and server operating system that so many people love to hate. Although Windows 8 has been designed with touch screens in mind, it works well with a keyboard and mouse too. Over the months that I've been using the new operating system, I found that I really don't miss the start menu. Even on my Windows 7 systems, I use the start menu rarely. And that realization surprised me. Users will find that Windows 8 starts faster, shuts down faster than Windows 7. Windows 8 also handles multiple monitors a lot better than any previous version of Windows. Competing with computers that run Windows, Apple will have its full range of computers that run either Mountain Lion or its various iPad and iPhone models that run the iOS operating system. And Google's Android-powered Chromebooks appear to be about ready for prime time. Although these devices look like notebooks, they run the Android operating system. Several manufacturers appear to be poised to enter this market also. So, whether it's an old Chinese curse or not, I don't know. But it appears we soon will be living in interesting times. Those who are interested in what Congress is doing will find the Thomas Legislative Search Engine is being replaced. Named in honor of Thomas Jefferson, who collected a lot of books, Thomas provides information on pending legislation. The new site is called Congress.gov, and it is technically still in test phase. And that's expected to last about one year, and then the old Thomas.gov site will be retired. Thomas serves 10 million visitors annually, and the 17-year-old search system is, by today's standards, both slow and confusing. Few people outside the news media, legislators, and lobbyists even know that Thomas exists. The look of the Thomas page, you don't see a picture of it on the TechBiter Worldwide website, is clearly that of an old website that hasn't been maintained as technology changes. I searched for the term deficit, and Thomas returned 535 results that cannot be filtered, so to find what I'm looking for, I'd have to examine each page until I found what I wanted. And if I submitted the search in the wrong area, I might never find what I'm looking for. The search has progressed quite a bit in the past 17 years, and Congress.gov acts more like Google or Bing. Instead of having to first navigate to a specific section that you want to search, you just start with a search term on the main page. Results can then be filtered into various categories, for example by year, subject, or legislative body. I tried the same search for deficit on the Congress.gov beta site. This time the search returned more than 2,000 pages, but Again, check out the TechBiter Worldwide website and you'll see a column on the left-hand side. Here, I can filter by congressional terms, by chamber, House or Senate, by type of legislation, bills, amendments, resolutions, concurrent resolutions, laws or joint resolutions, by subject, by status, by committee, by sponsor, co-sponsor or political party. So, I want to see documents, for example, from Senate Democrats. Well, I can quickly filter the results to 474 documents. And from there, further filtering would reduce the list to a more manageable size. By early 2013, you should be able to find the full congressional record online. 
The congressional record provides the text of every word spoken by legislators on the floor of the House and Senate. It also contains text that legislators can simply hand in as if those words were spoken on the floor of the House and Senate. The old site didn't work very well with mobile devices either, and the new site has been designed with mobile devices and tablets in mind. Thomas was launched with great fanfare in 1995 and at the time was a groundbreaking effort to provide more transparency in government. Back then, development and beta testing didn't consume multiple years, though. Thomas was developed in just three weeks. Ah, progress. If you're still using Microsoft's Internet Explorer, I have a question for you. It's a short question. Why? Other browsers, such as Chrome and Firefox, occasionally have a security problem. But Internet Explorer seems to lurch from one disaster to another. Microsoft says it's aware of the latest problem and is working to mitigate the danger. The best form of mitigation I'm aware of, though, is simply not to use Internet Explorer unless you need it to visit a site that some short-sighted developer designed to work only with IE. If you have Internet Explorer 6, 7, 8, or 9, you are in danger if you accidentally visit a rogue website. Microsoft has some suggestions, though, to help. You could upgrade your operating system to Windows Server 2003 or Windows Server 2008, Those operating systems have better protections against IE's bugs. Probably you're not going to do that. Uh, You could use a current version of Outlook and Outlook Express or Windows Mail that opens HTML mail in a restricted zone. That's actually a pretty good suggestion, and it's one you should be doing anyway. Or you could change your user account from administrator role to standard. But what Microsoft really needs is a role that fits between the administrator, who can do everything, and the standard user who can do nothing. Microsoft suggests that you be suspicious of email links and don't click them unless you're sure that they're valid. Well, that's certainly a good idea. Or, finally, you could upgrade to Internet Explorer 10. The preview version is out, and if you upgrade to Windows 8, you'll get Explorer 10. Oddly, Microsoft doesn't mention installing the Enhanced Mitigation Experience Toolkit, or EMET, It works with Vista, Windows 7, and the later versions of Windows XP. EMET attempts to prevent vulnerabilities in software from being successfully exploited by using security mitigation technologies that place obstacles in a malware developer's path. Although these techniques do not guarantee your computer's safety, they do at least make the bad guy's jobs harder. Note, though, that EMET may cause compatibility problems with some of the applications on your computer. Some applications rely on behavior that EMET blocks, so it's important to test all of your applications after installing EMET. Usually there are ways to work around these problems, but the solution is definitely not a one-size-fits-all affair. And my suggestion is this. It's one that Microsoft also didn't mention. Download Firefox or Chrome and make one of them your default browser. On the TechBiter Worldwide website, you'll see an example of the latest version of the hazardous messages you might receive. The one I show you claims to be from Intuit and explains that downloading your order requires Internet Explorer. 
First question is, what order? I didn't order anything from you. If you look at the attached HTML message, what you'll find is that it's full of JavaScript that has been severely obfuscated, so it's impossible to tell at a glance what it's doing. Anybody who goes through this much trouble to hide the script code is undoubtedly up to no good. So if you're still using Internet Explorer, why? Is it the thrill of living on the edge? In short circuits, Adobe's Creative Cloud has proved to be so popular that it's being painful. Earlier this year, as part of the Creative Suite CS6 release, Adobe announced a subscription-based plan. This plan has been so popular with users that Adobe has been forced to reduce its earnings estimate. Adobe says that earnings for the current quarter will, at best, remain flat and may decline. Adobe says fourth quarter earnings will be 53 to 58 cents per share. Revenue will be between 1.08 billion and 1.13 billion. Analysts had estimated earnings to be 67 cents per share on revenue of 1.2 billion. Adobe says that it restated its earnings expectations because customers have adopted the new Creative Cloud subscription-based model faster than expected. The Creative Cloud allows users to rent the software for a monthly fee and have access to just the Creative Suite components they need. Creative Suite includes Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, Flash, Dreamweaver, and a variety of ancillary applications such as Bridge, in addition to the web-based Creative Cloud products. Adobe's goal in introducing Creative Cloud was to create a more stable revenue model by relying on a constant stream of small payments rather than larger payments made whenever the users upgrade their systems. Given the acceptance of the Creative Cloud by users, Adobe seems to be meeting its stability goal. The result, though, is going to be a short-term reduction in profits, and Wall Street will probably punish Adobe for that, even though the plan is better in the long term for Adobe's customers, Adobe, and Wall Street. Wall Street short-sighted? Where'd you get that idea? Electronics manufacturer LG has a strong presence in the Android smartphone market. Now it appears that's not going to change. The company had considered jumping back into the Windows Phone market with Windows Phone 8, but now it's decided not to. During a media presentation this week to show off the company's quad-core Optimus G, the company's CEO Park Jong-seok said that LG has no specific plans for other mobile platforms. Although LG was part of a group that released Windows Phone 7 devices, it didn't offer any phones for Windows Phone 7.5. Microsoft's Windows Phone 8 will launch in October, along with the Windows 8 operating system. So is this news or, or not? Back in May, LG said it would not be releasing Windows Phone 8 devices and would concentrate on Android through its Optimus models. Microsoft's Steve Ballmer visited LG in South Korea back then in an attempt to reverse the company's decision. So the news is that apparently that initiative fell somewhat short of expectations. (music) 
If you have an Apple device that runs iOS 6 and you want to use Google Maps, good luck. Apple has its own mapping application, and even though it's not as good as Google Maps, Apple wants you to use their system. Now it's not just Apple. Amazon seems to be piling onto the bandwagon. Amazon announced that the Amazon Maps Application Programming Interface, or API, that gives developers a way to build mapping tools into applications on various Kindle variants. So far, Amazon hasn't said that Amazon Maps will replace Google Maps. At this point, Amazon says only that its API offers an easy migration path from Google Maps. Read the tea leaves. Amazon promises that developers will be able to embed interactive maps into their applications, provide satellite views, annotate points of interest in business locations, and even add custom overlays. Amazon's API is powered by Nokia's location platform. Oh, that just happens to be what Microsoft's Bing Maps application uses. Thanks for listening to TechBiter Worldwide, the weekly podcast with an hour's worth of technology news in about 20 minutes. All music on TechBiter Worldwide is licensed under the Creative Commons, and information about performers is on the website, www.techbiter.com. I'm Bill Blinn, and if you'd like, you can also send me a message from the website. Thanks for listening. I look forward to talking with you again in a week.